everybody. Welcome to the Neighbors Church podcast and the final conversation of 2021 in our monthly conversations that we release the first week of every month. And I literally, I keep telling myself that I can't believe that 2021 (laughs) is over, but I can. I'm at a stage now where the warp speed of life is something that I've just embraced, just receiving it, letting it, uh, letting it catapult me through life without uh, trying to resist the intensity of speed at which life is passing. (laughs) I think we've officially reached that age where we are just constantly saying like, I can't believe it's already blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like time really does start to move so fast and we're becoming the cliche that it's just like, we can't believe the kids are this now. We can't believe time has done this. It's just like time just keeps moving. You're a super gorgeous cliche for <laughs> almost 40. You're going to be 40. I'm going to be 40, guys. Guys. 2022. We're there. It's coming. We're there. We've done it. We've arrived. I'm going to be 45 next week. My wife's going to be 40 in January. I guess that's maybe why. Uh, we can't believe that this year's almost yeah. over and time's going. <laughs> I wonder when I'm actually going to not act like I'm 13. That's the real question. <laughs> I don't think you act like you're 13 anymore. I think you act like maybe you're 17. Oh, cool. 17. Okay. (laughs) I've definitely arrived. All right. Let's get to it. Here's what we've been doing. Um, The last month of of the year is, of course, December. uh, And in secular society, it is the celebration of Santa Claus and uh, the giving of gifts and lights being strewn about the house and trees being placed in living rooms and all of these wonderful and glorious things that are um, echoes. And I would even say, you know, humbly deformations of the original celebration of the birth of God, Mm -hmm. the embodiment of the creator of the universe in flesh as a babe laying in a manger. And so goes all the beautiful and glorious hymns that interestingly enough, as a non-Christian, I listened to and sang and had no clue what I was singing until the spirit appropriated those words, saved me and made those words worship. It's actually really crazy how you can be walking through Target and Oh Holy Night is playing over the sound system of Target. And you start to pay attention to, you know, till he appeared and the yeah. soul felt its worth yeah. and then and you, you start, start crying. Yeah. And you're like, Oh man, like I actually feel worth in my soul because Jesus became a man, yeah. but they're just this song of such glory and beauty is being p- played for the general public to hear where in any other circumstance, it'd be like, why are you playing this song about Jesus over the PA at target? But at Christmas, it's okay. Yeah. We have a very central idea for our conversation today, but I would say, uh, a big, big overarching emphasis through the month of December is that we, as the communities of Jesus, we Christians, we followers of Christ, we must uh, concertedly, we must make a concerted effort to remember what this season is truly about and orient our lives around it. And Advent post-salvation, being filled with the Spirit, sitting in Target, hearing the words of these beautiful worship hymns and crying in line in a supermarket. Um, I, I must say that Advent has become one of my most treasured seasons in the church calendar. And so neighbors alongside literally millions of Christians across the globe and throughout our history, we are intentionally slowing down, as is always the case with our community, to celebrate, uh, to reflect, to remember, to give ear to the words of God and the miracle 
the infinite, immeasurable miracle of Christian theology and historical reality. God knows who you are, knows what it's like to be you, has endured what the human experience is, yet without sin. These categories are mind-blowing, and they set the soul at rest. They do reveal the great worth that we have as God's creation, so many things that Advent season brings about. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the term Advent, it's essentially, it's a, it's a Latin term uh, carried over into our vernacular, modern vocabulary. It most simply translated means um, arrival or uh, even coming in an active sense, the coming, the advent of Jesus. And so Advent for the Christian and this month of December is both a season of quiet and expectation. Mm-hmm. Um it's really a beautiful memory every year, especially when our kids were little, of just the light of the tree and the quietness of my home as candles are lit and the, the kids have been given their advent calendar chocolate, which we did with them up until just a few years ago, really. We still do. No, I have their calendars for this oh, year, too. Oh, glory. So it hasn't passed Sophia yet. Sophia will get hers for <laughs> at her house apart oh. from us. I'm, tear- I'm tearing up right now. It's good though. It's a, and, and really that's the paradox of Advent. It's both a season of quiet mm-hmm. and it's a season of expectation. There's like a real intensity about the Advent season. There's a stilling and a slowing, a reflecting and a remembering complemented by, and in some cases contrasted with expectation and intensity and anticipation. And so mm-hmm. Advent is a season of, of beautiful contrasts that form our souls. Advent will be singing these beautiful songs, the soft and tender melodies of or Silent Night. And at the same time, you know, if your kids are little, they're going to be slipping out of bed at two in the morning, making noise, trying to, you know, sneak around, get into the gifts, all this expectation. (laughs) And so we really want to emphasize this month, embrace the paradox, the contrast of Advent. Let stillness come over your soul. Mm -hmm. Take time to just be reflecting in the quiet of all of the infinite, innumerable gifts that God has given uh, and let the stillness be a stillness that is a stillness before the storm and not the negative storms. What I'm talking about is the storms of joy that literally overtake our souls as our family comes around, which can be fun and difficult. All the contrast food is being eaten. Good gift is gifts are being given. We're, we're enjoying all these things. And so the contrast of stillness and expectation, uh, quiet and anticipation, it's, it's really a beautiful time. Through the weeks of Advent, um, we really look at God embodying himself in the flesh um, as Jesus becoming a man. This is what theologians have called the incarnation, Jesus becoming a man. It's celebrating the silent night of our Savior's birth and coming into this world. And so we have this um, eager looking forward, um, this expectation, like Dan said, you know, it's that two in the morning, you know, on Christmas Eve where your kids are so excited for Christmas morning, um, this anticipation of what gifts am I going to get? And they can wake up in the middle of the night, like two to three times coming to mom and dad's bed and saying like, is it time? Do we get to open presents yet? It's that kind of anticipation, um, for 
you know, that second advent, Jesus coming again, um, it's his final return. We're hoping for that final return. We're saying, crying out, come Lord Jesus, establish once and for all your complete reign over the universe. Yeah, it's really a season not to be missed. Uh, it's, it's something that is, it's sweet and it's to be savored. And so in the hustle and bustle, we're just trying to stress, um, don't miss what God has in store for your family. Now there's a principle in Advent that we want to begin to kind of dial in our topic for this conversation on it. And it's a really important practice for our formation that trains our souls and, um, guides the way that we perceive our past and look towards our future because in the season of advent we're literally in a in a cosmic sense looking back to look forward mm-hmm. um, we are looking back upon the babe in the manger and the three wise men and the the the, the heralding of the angels we are we are remembering and looking back and in that looking back there is something um, so powerful about reflecting on the faithfulness. We're, we're looking back on the promises of the prophets who had foretold the coming of the king. We're looking back on, you know, century after century of anticipation and longing and ache and pain and then the promise of peace being manifested. So we're looking back on so many things. But in that looking back, it is also a preparation for our future. This looking back gives us a foundation to work from, and it points us forward to the fulfillment of God's promises in the future. So Advent looks back on the birth of Jesus, and Advent is looking towards the return of Jesus. And in between all of those massive cosmic moments are the million moments that if we'll be focused and, and, and aware we can be looking back in a reflective way that says, oh, okay, here's how God acted in the past. Here's what God did in the past. Here's who God has been for the world in the past. Here's who God has been for me and what he has done for me in the past. Therefore, my future is certain <laughs> hope and it gives us peace and it fills us with love and joy becomes kind of the weapon we wield against the war uh, of anxiety and stress and all these things. You know, as Dan mentioned, there have been different, you know, things that our family has done to engage in this season of Advent. And really, um, in order to reflect and to engage in the season of Advent, like Dan's talking about, there are some concrete practices um, through the season of Advent that you can implement individually and as a family, as a community. And so just to encourage you guys in this season um, to make space in order to make space, because let's be honest, during the Christmas season, a lot of people are going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, Christmas party after Christmas party, it's shopping, it's I got to get this, I got to do that. And really, if you're not um, careful, you can miss out on what the season actually is. And you can miss out on the those quiet moments that we're talking about beside candlelight, where you're reflecting on the reality that God experienced um, the things that we went through through Jesus. He experienced 
highs and lows and mm-hmm. happiness and and sorrows. And so he's acquainted with the human experience. And, and if you're not careful, if you're just running wild through the Advent season and not slowing down, you miss out on those things. So here's just a few practices that you can engage with um, in this Advent season to help yourself um, really be present. The first thing, and this is a huge one that we've implemented, especially I'd say the last few years um, as our kids became teenagers, um, we really started to implement this. And that is honestly saying no to things. Dan and I, for the month of December, don't schedule meetings and evening dinners, that kind of thing. Typically, you know, one to two nights a week, we'll have someone over around our dinner table. But for this season, we say no to those things. And we know that we're going to engage in that, you know, in the coming months, but for the month, for the season of Advent, we, we choose to say no to those types of things. 100%. We actually framed up that yes and no paradigm some time ago in one of our conversations, I think with our staff around the concept of sacred yes Mm -hmm. and sacred no, that these aren't just yeses of convenience and yeses to the pressures of the moment or no's to convenience and no's to the pressures of the moment. But these are prayerfully considered, okay, uh, what is the spirit inclining me to, to most effectively live out the themes of incarnational hope, peace, love, and joy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, granted, given my wife and I and our career path, we're surrounded by people. We we have so many opportunities to be involved at a constant uh, level of relationship and dinners and parties and all these things. And, And that's beautiful. So we have to be very prayerful about, yes, this will contribute to our, our meditation through Advent or no, we want to settle in. And for me, I find Advent to be so, um, quiet. It's such a quieting season that the sacred no comes up a lot more through, through this season. And that, you know, that can be difficult when you're being invited to this thing and that thing and, and to say no, um, you know, if that's what you feel inclined to, to practice, um, does, you know, take some relational explanation, I guess you could say, where you have to explain to maybe family members or people, hey, we're, we're actually taking this season to not commit ourselves to a bunch of things. Um, but it is one way to really practically engage with the Advent season. Another thing is, a simple, is as simple as lighting a candle. So much fun when the kids are little. Yeah, our kids loved lighting the candles and we had... Um, the little candle snuffer. So and when Yule log, we had like a legit yes, Yule log, like we a did. real log. Every night for the month of December, we actually had 25 candles and each night we'd light another candle. But the kids always were like, who gets to snuff the candles at the, the end of the night? They just loved just, it. It was Disneyland. Yep. It was amazing. But lighting a candle, especially in the evening when it's dark and it just Again, it brings you to that quiet glow of the Advent season and that reminding that light has come into the darkness. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. I think that we, we as Protestants miss that our Catholic and Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters have really, you know, never lost is the embodied, the tactile practices mm-hmm. of worship. There's something about lighting a candle and having that tactile image, that moment of action and embodied presence to it's dark 
and yet light has come. And some of my most favorite memories are watching my children watch the candles be lit and then watching their faces, you know, as they snuff candles. Mm-hmm. And we still, to this day, we actually turn off all the lights and just let the glow of the candle be the light in the room. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have kids, I would encourage you also to pick up, you know, an Advent devotional. When our kids were younger, we certainly had different devotionals that sometimes can have activities with them. And, you know, it's not about getting through the entire, you know, Advent devotional. We definitely would have to skip days and that kind of thing. But it was just a way to center your family on the, during the season of Advent, not making Christmas just about gifts on Sunday morning, on Christmas, excuse me, Sunday morning, on Christmas morning. (laughs) Um, But it's really helps your family be centered and really train and teach your kids like, what does Advent mean? And what does this mean for you? Um, I would say Ann Voskamp has a really great um, and intentional resources for Advent. So if you are looking for something, I would check out some of her stuff. Oh, Voskamp is incredible. And also, you know, my wife and I, we're speaking from 20 years of child rearing. So of course our perspectives come through Advent with family, but as a single or mm-hmm. as a married couple, um, as a community group, this is something that I think is so beautiful is to pick up an Advent devotional. Actually, our sister church, Park Hill, I just thumbed through it just 10 minutes ago on my way here. They just put out this great Advent devotional. I highly recommend it. It's a way for you to have a guide to just take you through these themes and any sort of like, con- I don't know, concrete guide. It just sets a tone for your time together as a family, as a single person, as a community group. It's really beautiful. Even within our communities, we're actually in our community guides encouraging the community group to light a candle and to say a prayer of peace, to say a prayer of hope, to say a prayer of love, to say a prayer of joy while lighting the candle. So you have these practices together. Another concrete uh, practice is to embody um, love to someone. You know, we're talking about... um, Jesus, you know, coming to this earth. And really, if you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he embodied love by healing people, by spending time um, feeding people. And so really you can embody love by, you know, buying a person a cup of coffee or helping a person with their groceries, or maybe, you know, sending a person an encouraging note as this season also has a lot of grief for a lot of people. Mm. And really, you know, to that note, I would encourage you to immerse yourself in the gospels where you can really read about the life of Jesus and the way he practiced living amongst humans. Yeah. I think that the Christmas season while we're practicing sacred yes and sacred no is one of the most beautiful times for hospitality. You know, this past Thanksgiving, one of our community group leaders, these are the kinds of stories that I just love. She just put out like a random thing on a face group. Facebook group that she was in, um, that, Hey, if you don't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, come on over to our place. And I just recently heard that a couple women, uh, that aren't part of the church came to her Thanksgiving gathering and they just had a great time. That, that style, that way of lavish hospitality is such a beautiful presentation of the gospel. And it's immersing yourself in the gospel. It's, it's embodying love to someone. And so if you're the more extroverted type and that's something that really just would fill your soul, take a risk and invite uh, a stranger in and begin the process of letting a stranger become family. Uh, so powerful. And you know, another, another practice is 
literally just to simply delight and practice joy. So that could be, hey, let's get together with some friends. Let's have hot chocolate and go drive around and look at Christmas lights. Or it can be maybe for you, you're more introverted and you're like, I actually want to read through an entire book, you know, for the month of December and just enjoy um, reading. You know, it could be doing those types of things that just bring your heart joy and gladness. And that's just one more way where you're experiencing tangibly the joy that we have been given through Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And I think it's very important in the Advent season. Again, it's such a season of contrasts. Please don't set yourself up with uh, unrealistic expectations. Um, There is a lot God had to incarnate in flesh because of the brokenness of this world. So Advent is also a time of seeing and feeling all of the brokenness of this world in the midst of joy. I'm actually reminded of a time that my family and I, we had gone out to look at lights. We'd gotten hot chocolate and uh, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm laughing out of empathy for my gorgeous <laughs> wife. But we were at this particular house and then this, this little uh, van pulls up and it's full of elderly folks. They were from, you know, an elderly home or whatever. Still and, guys, this, this story just uh, gets me. My wife has always, my wife has always had this, she, it's literally like a people group for her, like a, almost like an unreached people group for her of the elderly. And my kids and I were all watching the lights and the kids are just laughing. I look over at my wife and she's just crying. <laughs> I was like, what's the matter, babe? And she's like, all those little grandmas over there and, and they don't have their family with them. <laughs> and it's just, it's one of those moments It's truly, dear friend, it's one of the moments of the contrast of the Advent season. This world, it's still dark and there's light that we must look at. This world is still full of brokenness and loneliness and abandonment, but not, that's not the end of the story. Advent is the expectation and anticipation of, of the full writing of all wrong. Let's shift gears here. And let's dial in uh, just a little bit more focus on a very, very specific practice that we use in our own lives, personally and individually, that I think is very helpful in the Advent season. Uh, He was a late 16th century um, Basque mystic, spiritual master, man named St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the, the Order of Jesuits, community of priests. And at the heart of Ignatian teaching, um, he's, he was a rich and very full thinker. But if you were going to distill Ignatian thought and teaching down, you, you might say that he was trying to answer uh, this one question, how do we hear the voice of God? And so, of course, Christian tradition answers that question in many different ways. We perceive God and what he's made through creation. That's general revelation. We hear God in scriptures. That's special revelation. We hear God through his community the Christ in me speaking to you, the Christ in you speaking to me, the church being the church for the church to the church, all these things that we banter about it in our community. But we also, and Ignatius was big on this. He was actually called the first psychologist. We hear God by attending to our experience, the contrast of experience, quiet and stillness, expectation and uh, anticipation, sadness, uh, but also great joy and hope. And so Ignatius was big on uh, us being able to interpret our experience in light of creation, in light of the scriptures, in light of our community as a means of hearing God's voice, building intimacy, creating relationship with him. 
And the Jesuits uh, and Ignatius himself developed a practice called the prayer of examen, examen, note. It's not the prayer of examine. It's the same idea, but it's E-X-A-M-E-N, not E-X-A-M-I-N-E. It's examen, the prayer of examen. And it's a technique of just basically prayerful reflection. And the Jesuits practice this daily. The prayer of examen is done at the end of the day where you, you reflect at the end of your day and you just discern where God's presence was, where you were aware of his presence. Ignatius used the words consolations and desolations. Um, where were their encouragements? Where were their discouragements? Where was God in your awareness absent? Where was God in your awareness full and complete? The prayer of examen is a way of slowing us down. I know we're like a broken record, but slowing us down uh, to reflect. And we are reflecting in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And what the prayer of examen does is it helps us to look back through our day, looking back to, to look forward. It prepares us for what God might be doing the next day. It attunes our awareness to how God might want to, should he wake us from our sleep as a gift of grace for another day's work, how he might work through that day. It attunes our awareness to what and when and how God might be working, and it just dials our focus in. It's a very, very powerful tool. And as we look back on our experience through the day, um, it it gives us a foundation. Whoa, God was generous with me today. God guided me today. Uh, God was faithful. God was merciful with me today. So while traditionally this practice of examen is used, you know, typically in the evenings on a daily basis at Neighbors, we've actually adapted the principles um, of examens and we're applying them to the entire last year. On December 26th, we're actually going to put out a guide where we're going to be encouraging the church to look back on the entire year of 2021 and reflect and ask God, you know, um, in your good memories and your bad memories and everything in between, you know, where was God's presence with me? Where do I see God moving and working? Even in those moments that felt like barren, um, it's just this time to reflect and to allow God to reveal his work in those moments. And really, we're posturing our hearts through the prayer of examen to see God in our memories. It's allowing our hearts to be open to feel where God was even when we didn't feel Him at all. Mm. And this is really an act of faith. It's, it's a prayer of faith. It's trusting Him that as we invite His guidance, He's going to reveal what He wants us to know um, you know, about his presence and His purpose through the last year. Yeah, that's one of the really important pieces of the examen is it's not you just sorting through memories. You actually invite the Holy spirit and you ask him spirit, what memories would you bring to my mind? And uh, he will, he will dig up from the deeps moments where you didn't even know he was there Mm. uh, or you felt like he wasn't there. And you'll realize, Oh, he was with me and guiding me and showing me. Sometimes I've even with, you know, with the the year, the year examens where we take the whole year, um, I actually go back through my calendar and I, I just start with January and I start to look through like, what kind of stuff was I committed to? And that usually too. has a way, yeah. And in wow. my journal That's good. and it has a way of surfacing. Cause it's hard sometimes to be like, well, what do I think about from the last year? So even concretely just looking through each month 
and writing down in January, like, oh, here's some things I did. And then that starts to kind of get the wheels moving in your mind as you reflect. And really this is, we see this modeled um, in the scriptures over and over again, particularly in the Psalms you have in Psalm 107 and Psalm 136, just this accounting of the Israelite story and God's faithfulness to them. Psalm 107 actually specifically says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this looking back, you're able to to see, whoa, here how, here's how God moved. And here was these moments that were utterly scary. And here's how we saw God's faithfulness in it. And then that becomes the story that you tell. Psalm 136 is all about giving thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And it's just this repeating, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And then it gives a little short verse on like what happened um, in the lives of the Israelites. And then it says again, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And then as well, just the whole idea of Ebenezer stones, it's those reminders where you're saying thus far, the Lord has helped me. And so examine really allows for this right and a really a thorough accounting of how God has been faithful in your life. And, and really this process of reflection becomes the voice of your testimony. Again, like the Israelites, it's letting the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. It's hard to tell your story if you're not having moments to reflect and, and give an account and, and recount, I guess I should say, um, what's happened in your life that all becomes part of your testimony. And the Advent season really naturally lends itself um, to reflection as you're giving space again, as you're maybe saying no to some things, as you're giving margin um, during the season, it really allows you um, to begin to practice for this entire month and conclude with the examens guide that we're going to put out. Um, just that, that time of reflection. Yeah. As we get ready to wrap up, I would also say on the practice of examine, and this has only become more apparent to me year after year, utilizing this practice, hope and peace and joy in some measure are literally a choice. We are interpretive machines. Our brains are designed to interpret story and make meaning out of story. And the genius of the human brain and we being Imago Dei image bearers that have volition and will is in every way we can choose to interpret our stories and write our stories and live out our stories in partnership with God in the way that we so choose. It's the great liberty and freedom of being a, a human being. And so as we reflect on our stories, um, the temptation and the tendency for some, especially in the cynical age, may be to look back on the story of a year and say, well, here's where God wasn't and here's where a prayer wasn't answered and here's where... And I, I think that the power of Advent is it, it reminds us that even when we are essentially telling ourselves a false story, God wasn't there, God didn't, um, God didn't do this or that, which may be the case in our experience, Advent reminds us that ultimately, ultimately the truest, truest story is that God did and God will no matter what, no matter what our experiential story is tempted to deceive and lie and, and discourage, when we apply the incarnation, when we apply the fact that, and we feel the worth of our soul, 
we begin to realize that even in the moments that we thought he wasn't there, he was using that. He was shaping us in that. He was drawing us close. He was calling out of us more earnest prayer, deeper faith, greater surrender. And so the, the prayer of examen is a, it is a difficult practice because you do reflect on the deeper contours of your souls and it brings up and surfaces these beautiful and painful things that all end through the incarnational lens in hope and love and joy and peace because God was present, God is present, God will be present. His purposes will be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up uh, through the month of December, we just really want to encourage you guys to practice examens through through this whole Advent season. This can be done individually. Um, like we said, just having those those moments of personal reflection, you know, asking God, um, where was your spirit working throughout this day today? And, or where was your spirit working and moving through this experience I had uh, this past year? Um, and write those things down and just chronicle um, the story of God in your life. As well, this can be done communally in our community groups. There's something so powerful um, but of sharing story. It's a way that as a community, we are practicing this, um, this whole idea of reflection and sharing the faithfulness and goodness of God. And that has so much um, power in it to bolster the faith and of others and to encourage others. And then even like as a family, if maybe you do have little kids, it can be as little as just doing high point, low point. Um, over dinner as a family. It's just a way where you're facilitating reflection and examine. Yeah, that high point, low point, just have the kids talk mm-hmm. and reflect. Yeah. What was your high point? What was your low point? How mm-hmm. was Jesus working in that? So simple, but so, so powerful. just want to read this prayer and blessing that I sent out to our leaders and staff the other night over you. And so through this Advent season, may your hopes be centered on the immovable and unchanging promises of the King who became one of us and may peace that surpasses understanding guard your heart and mind for his will is your highest flourishing and your greatest happiness. Whatever troubles your soul right now, this is merely a scalpel in the hand of the good physician and his cuts are precise and never intended for pain, but only to shape you for his purposes. May you know and experience in greater and greater measure, the unknowable love of God in Christ Jesus through the days of Advent. And may joy, a tsunami of joy, may this be the strength of your days. For ours is a joy based not in this world, but given as a gift from the everlasting fountain of God's Trinitarian joy and delight in himself and in us. And friends, as the great hymn has so well said, may your soul feel its worth. For he has appeared, and this world will no longer lay in sin and error pining. Shalom, friends. Shalom. Shalom.